0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Tune in to Conversations with Dr. D. Ivan Young Good evening, America, Canada, Australia, the UK, the Caribbean and Virgin Islands. Today is October the 20th, 2013, and this is a night to remember. Of all the times that I've been able to have some significant content, and I was very, very excited about it, I've had several of those occasions, but I know this will be one of the most memorable Tonight I have a gentleman that I met a few years ago, and I'm not going to tell you how many because I just ain't going to do that. But we, uh, it was back then when light skinned brothers was in, and now since 2010, Wesley Snipes, all you cats out there, Maurice Chestnut, we back again, and I have my brother from another mother on the show this evening, and we're going to talk about some really, really deep subjects. Um, I know you may have heard his name before. His name is Mr. Michael Baysden. And Let me give you a little bit about this brother in case you've been living under a rock somewhere. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He has had a very serious hit television show on TV One. He's syndicated in over 100 markets in the United States. He has millions upon millions of loyal listeners. And like I can say, we also have our fair share of haters, one of them being the majority in the media. So without further ado, I would like to introduce to you Mr. Michael Bayesley. What's up, Michael?
2: What's up? Now, uh, you don't want to show them your age and tell them how far back we go, huh?
1: Well, I just say <laughs> like this, we are gentlemen of a certain age, and when we were in, when we first started, they still had real music, and Brothers was pulling their pants up.
2: It's a beautiful thing, man. You know, I have no problem telling the family I'm 50. I just turned 50 this year. Shout out to all my fellow Cancerians. And, uh, you know, 50 is a new, I guess, a new 45, the new 40. I don't know what it is, but, it's, but it feels good, man. I'm glad to be joining you tonight.
1: Man, I am so glad to have you. I, w- I want to jump in real quick, Mike. Um, there's, There's a couple of things on my mind. You're doing a lot to change the world and change the community and give those without a voice a voice that, needs to and should be heard, but as usual, the media, and when I say the media, I'm going to talk about New York and L.A., they have a habit of trying to shut down people like Warren Valentine, Donna Brazil, Soledad O'Brien, and now they are uh, working for another hopeless cause and trying to silence a voice such as yours. Let's talk about that, what the hell is going on with this, with this stuff, dude.
2: I'm a very uh, philosophical thinking guy. I guess it comes with with old age, but I think that when those things happen, they create other opportunities. I think uh, we live in, we're very fortunate to be in an age where if you turn somebody off one place, then their audience can grow someplace else. So thank God for Facebook and Twitter that when we went off the air. Um, I, I would call it unexpected the way it happened, but we, uh, myself and my team, we kind of knew there was a possibility of it coming if we didn't come to terms with Uh, with our syndicator at the time. So I feel fortunate that Facebook and Twitter were there because our fan base grew uh, double what it was on Facebook once we uh, were off of national radio. So it's unfortunate. We unfortunately don't control the, uh, the airwaves, which is why what you're doing and what a lot of the other blog radio people are doing and bloggers and people who are going to alternative media, it just makes it more important and more viable. So I think
1: in some strange way they're doing us a favor. I would be very inclined to agree with that. I remember um, when we met years ago, I was in Las Colinas, you were in Las Colinas. You had just written Why Men Cheat, a book that really uh, ended up having a lot of copycats follow you. I mean, everybody at that point, you pretty much became the original relationship expert. And I remember sitting in the apartment with you there, and you told me, I, I was so excited, and Yvonne had set up this meeting for us, and I was looking at all that you had to do. I, I spent, I guess, probably three-quarters of a day with you. And at that point, a Skype, there was no Skype. But you had right. this camera set up at the crib. You were doing interviews all over the place. Uh, My mm-hmm. Man Cheat was hot as a firecracker. Jerry Springer, people weren't even fighting on the show yet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a long-ass time ago. Nobody was fighting on Jerry Springer. But the truth be told, you set an example for me, and you showed me of all things, don't be anybody other than yourself. And yeah. you you stepped out into territory that was, at that time, you forged ground for brothers like me to have, make it real easy to come out, to come out with a voice that was my own and to come out not having to – kiss someone's butt in order to get in where I fit in. Mm-hmm. What would you say has changed from then to now, or has anything changed, Michael?
2: Uh, first of all, thank you for that, man. You know, I think my legacy, uh, after hearing what you just said, is, is having people come back after so many years and say, man, I couldn't believe you called me on the phone and talked to me for an hour about publishing my book, or you responded to my post on Facebook, or you came out to my event. I don't think any of that has changed. You know, I think when the core of your, your personality is to help people, you remain that person. You know, all of my heroes, most of my heroes are from the 60s, people who were grassroots guys, whether it was Huey Newton, whether it was Angela Davis, whether it was Malcolm, and not because they were militant in that sense, because, you know, I'm down for all people, man. I love all people. Uh, but I know that our community has special needs, and so I, I try to give them the attention that, that they deserve and their appreciation because without that audience, without the African-American women in particular and the brothers who have supported me, we wouldn't be here. You or I wouldn't be here. So in that sense, nothing has changed. But the, the biggest change, I would say, is a sense of responsibility that comes along with, with having the microphone. It comes along with having some quote-unquote celebrity is that you have an opportunity to impact some people's lives. And so I just take that very seriously.
1: Well, one thing I do want to say, I understand my producer just shot me a, a note back door. Our phone lines are lit up. Callers, uh, if you want to call in and ask a question, feel free to do that. You can hit us at 646-478-5610. That's 646-478-5610. Definitely you need to press 1 so that we will know that you're on the line. Uh, Michael, when we start talking about reaching out and making contact with the fans and the people that pay our salaries and give us cumes. when I say cumes I everybody I mean ratings and what have you. What has sure. been one of the most impacting circumstances that made you say, Well, I'm gonna ask you two questions, both no sides of the coin. What tell me one time when you said, Okay, this is really crazy. Have you lost your down mind? Give me one of those moments and then give me a moment where you said, you know what, I would do this for free if I didn't have to pay this rent, this, uh, this electric bill. Give me both sides of the coin.
2: Well, I don't, I don't know if I've had any uh, lost your damn mind moments, because I'm usually the one making people say that about me <laughs> because of how boldly <laughs> that I speak. So I think I've always made people say that. But uh, I've always felt like I, I wanted to do it for free until the corporate uh, structure got involved in, in radio, and that's what takes the fun away from it. Um, and that's why I have no problem being out of the game, because if I come back, it's got to be on my terms the same way it was on my terms when I came in. So I I still love it. I still love radio. In fact, I love people. I, I told the powers that be, I'll just use that as a label, that I'm not in love with radio. I'm in love with people. Radio is just a vehicle for me to reach people, just as the seminars are, the book signings, Facebook, which I'm on every single day, morning, afternoon, and night, saying good morning and good night and, keeping the people abreast of what's going on on and Live on Facebook and Twitter. So I'm in love with the people, man. So that that never changes.
1: Has there been a, a point of end, uh, where you've looked at this current climate and this dealing with these syndicators? What is it that they're wanting you to give up or uh, uh, attempting to make you compromise that's making you say, you know what, not right now. You're going to have to come back with something better than that.
2: I would rather, you know, obviously by contract I can't get into the details of
1: of the negotiations. I'm a person that that,
2: that honors uh, what I tell people I will and and won't do. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but, But let me put it this way. I'm a person that feels like I created this show, I built this show one station at a time. Yes, we had affiliate people involved, but people picked up this show because of the content, not because somebody sold it to them. They loved it or they didn't want to compete against it. I programmed every song. I produced every topic. I blogged every blog. And so for me, it was my baby. And you don't take somebody's baby away and say, well, we want to make some alterations to your child. My attitude is either you want the baby the way it is or you don't want the baby at all. And there's no amount of money. And I turned down millions of dollars, something that most people will never, ever, ever do because I'm a principled person. And that's the power uh, that people and the passion that people feel when they listen to my show and they follow me and Gina, and they followed me with the Trayvon Martin case, and we all got together with the presidential election and re-election, and they were with me for the One Million Mentors Tour, to 70 cities. People know genuineness, and they know a person who truly wants to serve. I don't even like, know if I like the term leader anymore, uh, Doc. I'll be honest with you. I prefer to, to be a servant to the people because that's what we really need. We've got enough so-called leaders. And I think people know when they have somebody who genuinely uh, cares about them and is passionate about what they're doing and uh, who has integrity a word that we had just completely forgotten about in our leadership, and I want to be the example of that. If I die that way, broke, which I won't. I I did well. I was smart enough to invest my money, so I was never one of those Negroes to splurge and try to bling, bling. I just got to put it out there. So I knew I was comfortable. I did the right things with my money so I could make a choice based on integrity and uh, continue to do the things that I do
1: in the community, which is what I'm doing now. Speaking of the things you're doing in the community, um, I was reading about it, and I, you know, there's this organization that I joined. Well, they invited me in, 100 black men, and I see mm-hmm. that you're taking what they do in this and or that organization even a step further because it's not just limited to only black men, but brown and yellow and what have you. Where you're creating mentor programs for not only just males but also females you're being a serious advocate to get people to reach out and touch the lives of these, um, these children. So, Mike, mm-hmm. what drove you you that passion, man. Uh,
2: well, you know, when Darion Albert got killed in Chicago, I'm a, I'm a Chicago boy, so I'm a Southsider from Chicago, and it was all over CNN news This young kid named Darion Albert had gotten beaten to death. And I was like, you know, not going to be enough just to talk about this we got to get involved and so that's when i took the bus tour around the country with no sponsors spent half a million dollars of my own money invested in organizations and uh got out there and and we had the biggest enrollment of mentors in the history of big brothers big sisters and probably most of the other organizations so you know you just got to get involved man i hate to, you know it's like people that complain about politicians but they don't vote so you can't complain about the kids if you're not involved in improving the situation with the kids. So I just don't like to be a talker. I like to be a doer.
1: Yeah, I noticed that they named an award after you, the Michael Bazen Award. I was like, okay, they gave him an award. No, the award is actually named after you. We've got some callers that want to talk with you. We're going to take a quick 45-second break. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. DeVon Young, with my special guest, Mr. Michael Bazen. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Conversations With Dr. D. Yvonne Young, we have a very special guest in the house this evening. It's Mr. Michael Baseman. We're getting ready to take our first caller, Z. Are you there? Your own conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young.
0: Good evening, Mr. Young, and good evening, Mr. Baseman. How are you?
1: Hey, how are you doing? Wonderful, dear. What, what's your question, or your- Z?
3: Thank you for having him on, uh, Mr. Young. Um, and I want to commend Mr. Bazin for the book that he's written. And I also want to say that I really am proud of the fact that he is the only author that I know that brings his supporters in, like he was saying earlier, um, to actually put his material out there. Everything that he makes, his supporters actually see themselves in his work. And that's what makes him so unique. But I wanted to also ask him... Uh, I know he's working with uh, a group of students in a certain school in Florida. And I was wondering, um, is he, the book that you're, that's out now, or going to be out in a couple of days, is that going to be a recommended reading by your students or for your students?
2: Yeah, yeah. actually I'm going to be dropping them off to the kids on uh, the young men. I don't want to call them kids. They may be listening to the young men uh, at Evans High School in Orlando, which is where I'm, I'm mentoring, There's 28 of them are great guys. And, uh, yes, it's a book that, you know, I always wanted to write a book that everybody could read, you know, that didn't have any profanity, didn't have any sex, just something that was about the lessons, not only that I learned, and I want to put this out there for everyone listening, these are the conversations that we've been having over radio for the last 10 years, four hours a day, five days a week, and the interaction that I had with my Facebook family and I think that's the difference between the way I, I think and, and write and act is that I like being challenged by people. If I'm wrong, or if I have a different perspective, I always tell people you can't grow unless you open other people's perspectives, and that's what this book is, man. It's a complete opening up of different ideas, and it's going to be a conversation piece uh, for everyone who reads it.
1: Quick question, Mike. Okay, thank you, Z. You're um, fancy on in the next call, Julia, but before we bring it in, I just want to ask a quick question, Michael. What is the Mm -hmm. essence uh, of the message that's in the book that's about to come out and its title?
2: You know, raise your hand if you have issues. And I came up with that title because I wanted something that was engaging when I walked out on stage because now I'm speaking full time. That's what I do to earn a living. And uh, I wanted to have people engaged, and I figured the best way to engage people is to ask them off the top, do you have issues? What person in the audience doesn't? And if you don't have them, you're probably dealing with somebody else's. So it was just an engaging title to get people's attention. And then the book, From the Beginning to the End, man, is just very direct conversation about, uh, you know, just challenging people to look at things from a different perspective and to, um, to do better, be better. That's what it's all about. That's what we all want to do, I think, is be better.
1: When is your drop date for it?
2: Uh, it's uh, Tuesday, October 22nd. It's going to be on e-book. You can advance uh, purchase on Amazon, and then it will be in the bookstores for, uh, for the holidays.
1: That's fantastic. we have another column. Ms. Francia, your own conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young.:
3: Yes, I like to say um, thank you, Mr. Young, for having Mr. Bazin on.
1: Hey, well, I'm honored. I, I don't think that I could have better company. do what's your question or your comment for Mr. Bazin and myself to, this
3: evening? Real, really honestly I just I just really want to get through to tell Michael Bazin that I am receiving the love, and many. On uh, many um, topics and subjects that he's actually spoken about, I actually moved to a rural part of Florida from Rochester, New York, and it seems like I was conforming. But when I listened to the Bayesian show, it seems like I had begun to transform. So I just want to mm-hmm. say thank you, and I want to say I'm glad to hear Michael again. Love you, Mike.
2: Thank you, sweetie. I appreciate it. You know, you know what she said, Doc, it's so important about transforming. I think that we forget sometimes that our, I, I believe our purpose is to continuously, uh, continuously evolve. And I don't think we're doing that. I think that uh, many aspects of society, you know, some aspects of religion, politics, the way we're raising our children, the way we have relationships, and I'm going to use this term technically and not in an offensive way, we're retarded. And that means that our growth is being stunted. I don't know if you all remember the group called Arrested Development. And, and yeah. that lack of development, we're, we're being arrested, we're not moving forward. It's something I am adamantly against, man. I think that We've got to start opening our minds up, and which is why our relationships fail, which is why we don't have good relationships with our children, which is why, for me, our relationship with whatever that higher power is is so limited because we've been trained and programmed to think in a very limited way. And one of the first chapters in the book is about dream killers, you know, because people just don't want to see you evolve past a certain point. And I'm the person that every person who's ever had one of the things to be successful, anyone who wanted to advance, you included, have had to deal with the dream killers. And so when you, when you get past that, which is mostly the family, by the way, the dream killers start with the family, if you can't overcome that, you end up stuck in a way, man, that could really diminish your life and your quality of life. And I don't want, I don't want people to do that. I want them to always rise to their full potential.
1: Francio, before you stop the phone, I want to ask you one quick question, if you would be, if you don't mind being a bit transparent. What yeah. was the big shock going from the north to the south and how did that uh, impact your psyche and your emotions and your hopes and dreams?
3: Actually, it, it it tormented me for many years because I thought people of my own race and color would be more than willing to celebrate with me, but it, actually they weren't. It seemed like they were more against me and just um, looking at what I have and and not knowing what I don't have and, and internally. They were looking on the outside as the materialistic things, and that really – that really bothered me because I thought I moved to a city as, you know, coming here based on a family and, a, and its inheritance, I thought I moved to a place where I would be um, surrounded by love for my own culture, but I wasn't. I was looked at, I was looked among just for what I had and seeing that girl or that woman from New York, who is she? and who does she think she is. So that kind of like really scarred me for a while. But I thank God for the Michael Bazin show because I get a chance to think outside of the box, and there's many episodes that he had regarding um, different topics such as relationships, personal relationships, the way that we feel about ourselves, and I just really gave it to him a full blast of what I felt like it really was all about.
2: How
1: about that? That's wow, that's was. good. Thank you, Francia. Thank you for your call. Michael, that makes me want to jump onto a subject. I know that, uh, you know, when I met you, I wasn't Dr. Young. I had not, and now I've written three books and what have you, but my new book is coming out, and it's called Emotional Intelligence, The Factor. And I, one thing that I love about what you said that's resonating with so many people is be you, do you and don 't ever lose you, you know and and, I, and when we think of your program or we think of your show, there is always this element there man that that resonates in terms of a quality presentation in and, and even in the television program, there was always this very very high quality Uh, connectivity that was so transparent where no matter how good you looked in the suit, people felt good after they got through looking at you. What do you think is happening now when we look at people like Soledad and we look at Warren and and all the people that are basically getting decapitated out there? What is going on, bro? I I think it's a, a fear of change. It's the same thing that's going on with
2: the president. The idea that this black man is running the country and is one the most powerful man in the world, we have a problem with change. Change is very uncomfortable. You know, it is. Change is very uh, scary for a lot of people. And when you see blacks and Latinos, to my Latino brothers and sisters out there who are doing well financially, they're getting education, they're moving forward in business, they are forced to be reckoned with, uh, reckoned with in terms of voting, the white Americans are seeing the country just change before their eyes, and many times they overreact. Uh, to what they're seeing. And, of course, most of these radio companies that we all work for are ran by whites, usually white Republicans. So it's a fear. You know, I don't know. Well, you're old enough to know this term, fear of a black planet, right? Mm -hmm. It's that concept that blacks and people of color are taking over, and there's this overreaction of people in the media to try to silence us because they're afraid of us gaining power. But, you know, people who are determined, like myself, I'm sure like you and like many other people who listen to the show, it's important for me not to disappear because then it's a victory for those people who try to silence it. So to me it's just another challenge, man. I I, I take it with a grain of salt, get up the next day and put on my uniform and get back to battle. You know, it's it's never ending and people need to understand that.
1: I got it. Do you think some of us perhaps have marginalized ourselves in order to conform and and let me take the sugar off of it. Do you think some of us are selling out in order to just oh, you know no. go with the flow and stay in the game?
2: Yeah, but, see, I'm not concerned about the sellout. Sellout's always going to be sellout. We're always going to have house Negroes. Okay, let's just talk about it the way it is. I'm mm-hmm. more concerned about where the other Carter G. Woodson's and W.B. Du boiss and Frederick Douglass and Malcolms and Mars. I'm, I'm more interested in building them up, them up than worrying about what the other guys are doing because we don't have enough strong men and strong women who still have a sense of community. I'm going to tell you what really drives me nuts, and this is a part of the book as well. We do well, and many of us have done very well, but then we forget. See, it's on us. It's, it's not anybody else doing this to us. It's us doing it to us. It's those of us who were quiet with the Trayvon Martin case, those who were quiet doing Gina 6, those who were quiet or not loud enough. See, many of us will just make enough noise to be represented so we can get pat on the back by our people and say, well, They they talked about it on the show for a segment. But if you didn't turn that show on for a segment, you missed it. When I talked about Trayvon, that's all I talked about. When I talked about Gina Six, that's all I talked about. When I was on the presidential election, that's all I talked about. When I did mentoring, that's all I talked about. We're half-stepping. And that's an old-school term for my steppers in Chicago and Detroit and all the folks who know about swinging out and dancing. We're half-stepping. We're half-stepping just enough to be pat on the back and be given credit but we're not doing enough to make a difference, and so the, all I can say, man, is that the, the battle continues. You know, I'm never, in, I'm a soldier till I die.
1: When you did those programs, and, and when you dedicated even sections, or should I say, in some instances, seasons of topic and seasons of content toward affecting awareness and social change, what kind of backlash did you get?
2: Hell, I don't know. I didn't care. So I'll be honest with you You know what I'm saying I mean I got to be straight up with you man You know when you are a um, Conscious person And there's a a term I think it was in the Miseducation of Negro He said to be uh, socially conscious And to be black is to be in a constant state of rage Almost all the time So for me My passion is so high And the people who listen to my show know When I get fired up dude you can feel it radiating through the radio I don't concern myself with it because I know I'm already making them $10, $15 million a year. So they need to shut up and go in the corner somewhere because they're already getting paid off the rating or the cume as you talked about. So I mm-hmm. feel like I put myself in this position to earn you money. I'm going to do whatever I want to do on this radio to empower my people. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not interested in short-term success, man. I'm, I'm interested in long-term legacy. So if I never get on the radio again, everybody who ever heard my voice know I cared. They know I'm passionate, and they know that I was out there for them, and I can die with that, knowing that that knowledge, of that truth, as opposed to half stepping my way to being on the radio for twenty or thirty years and never really impacting the damn thing. Man, I could.
1: Uh, I want to give you a standing ovation, but it, it would just probably bust your eardrum. The truth that you're speaking resonates at a core level. I remember I was doing uh, the Al Sharpton show maybe a couple of years ago, and we were talking about family dynamics and abuse, and, you know, now it's not just brothers abusing women. Women are equally abusing men to a degree that most people, I believe. With that said, I want to segue into this, man. Why do you think, Ed, and I'm going to sit on both sides, so ladies don't start getting ready to think I'm going to male bash and brothers I'm not trying to go and put us down, but I've got to ask a big question. Um, do you think that we have had either society affect us or we have just started tripping and we own some other stuff? Why do you think there's such a breakdown in male-female relationships now to the point that people are even giving up on dating someone of a different gender and now you're finding that people that are switching and going into homosexual relationships only to find that because they didn't fix themselves, they got the same drama there that they had <laughs> when they were trying to the straight way. What's your opinion on why we have so much debauchery and chaos in our relationships?
2: It goes back to control, control and fear. I mean, you think about men, for example. Men are now having to compete with women, something that they've never had to do. That's why you have more abuse now than you ever had, because men are trying to find a way to define themselves in relationships. And I talk about this in the book as well, about how marriage has changed and how the roads have changed. So for a lot of men, let's just talk about the, the controlling men who are out there. We are defined by sex and our money, right? And now that women's sexual expectations have grown because they're reading books, you know, a sister pick up a book on Karma Sutra and, and Fifty Shades of Grey and, 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 and watch uh, pornography and whatever else, and then her expectations or her desires began to increase. And we don't know how good men have ever been at sex because men don't take classes on sex. We don't read about it. We listen to the other joker who doesn't know what he's doing about sex, and now we're just as bad as he was at it. Or think we can have sex with the woman the same way. So we're not very good at satisfying women, especially women who, have, who know themselves and know their bodies. So there's always going to be that insecurity that men have, and sometimes we lash out physically when, we can't, when our egos don't line up with our performance. That's one thing. Financially, dude, every man is defined by how much money he can bring to the table. That's, all, that's the way it's always been. It's probably all the, uh, the way it's always going to be. But we can change that, I hope, by redefining what it means to be a man. There's a huge documentary coming out. I'll try to get the link to you about redefining what it means to be a man. Because in the society we live in now where women are out-earning, particularly black and Latino men, they have more education than black and Latino men. They're traveling more. They read more. They own more homes. They own more businesses. We've got to find ways to be- become relevant as men other than being the breadwinners and being able to sex some women down. And-, and that becomes a problem for a man so that when there's a difference in a relationship, how is he going to resolve it? Well, you may out-earn me. You may have more education, but I'm going to win the fight. And so it becomes a-, a violence issue. And then, of course, that's transferred generation to generation. Women, on the other hand, they've seen violence. And sometimes a woman who's seen her mother batter, she doesn't always become the, the victim. She becomes the abuser because she's overreacting to worrying about being hit. So now she becomes an abuser. So, I mean, obviously, man, there's a lot of deeper emotional issues uh, that people need to find professional help, seek professional help. But we've got to redefine our roles as, as men and women because these old, archaic 1950 images of family is over. It's been over for us. We just don't realize it's been over, and nobody has the strength or the courage to step up and say, you know what, let's redefine our roles, which, by the way, let me segue that by saying this. This is why marriages fail, because we have this template of how a marriage is supposed to be based on whatever reality people are or example people are looking at. Instead of saying, I'm an individual, you're an individual, we need to create an agreement between us that works for us and tell everybody else to mind their own damn business. That's what needs to happen if you want marriages to
1: survive. Man, uh, speaking of Juanita Bynum, no, I'm just kidding. But the truth is there are a lot of women that are really going upside a brother's head nowadays. And I've been finding, even in my office, people that come in and they, you know, I've uh, just recently remarried a couple. So let me say out to Keisha and Nolan, congratulations if you guys are listening to the show. But there have been a lot of people that have come in my office and they've had this, uh, exactly what you're talking about, serial dysfunction where, um, in my opinion, measure of a man is when you have everything. Can you love one woman? And the measure of a woman is when that man has nothing. Can you love him? Now, I want to ask this question. I have um, a caller, Angie, that uh, Julia just put on air. Angie, are you there? Yes,
3: I'm here.
1: Okay, I want to ask you a question, and I would like to hear hear you challenge Michael on this one. Why do you think... Now that sex roles have become just, I'm not even going to say reversed, they're just screwed up. Most women's sexual partner they have in a drawer at night. Uh, Or if they do, they have a false expectation about meeting some man and expecting him to love them while he's perfect and then she's imperfect or the man meets her and really has nothing to offer the woman and then the woman gets really frustrated because this brother is a work in progress. What is your take on why we have so much miscommunication in male-female relationships or just relationships, period?
3: I don't know, I guess. It may be, like you said, what you bring to the table. And then some men, say for me, for instance, I'm a, um, a plus-size lady. And a lot of guys, they don't like the plus-size lady. So, I don't know, I think it's like you said, it's the word for what you bring to the table.
1: Wait, let me ask you something. What do you mean by plus size? Do you mean like you, you just, you, you're a little bit heavy or you a super So sister? Describe yourself so we can relate to your experience. I'm a
3: thick lady all the right places.
1: Okay. <laughs> so you know your way around a plate. How is this challenging you from meeting and, and securing a good relationship with a man? And, Michael, what advice do you have for her?
2: I, 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 look, I'm, I'm a realist, man. I, I cut straight to the chase. Women are tired of fixing dudes, and and the problem is is that fathers are not there to teach men how to be men. I, you know what? I have no interest whatsoever in analyzing why women have the expectations that they do. Because if daddy was at home, he would set the damn standard. And if women would allow men, and this is for the women, would allow men to be there for their sons, then we wouldn't have these issues. Because a daughter would know how to be treated based on how a father treats her the way. I treat my daughter. I set the standard for my daughter, not, not another man, not even herself. I set the standard for her. So until we get down and get serious about men, women, first of all, choosing men who are going to be good fathers, and, then, and if you don't choose one to be a good father, don't compound the problem by having another child. And then with the men, to be there for their kids to train them how to be men and for the women to train them how to set the standards for men, None of this stuff is going to change, and we can keep analyzing each other and having these talks about relationships. It
1: starts at home. When you say that, I want to ask a question, and really more to educate people than any other purpose Mike. When I see men step into a relationship with a woman with children, and they come in my office, and the guy tells me, he says, Doc, you know what? Man, she won't let me discipline this kid. I'm not trying to hit him. I'm trying to tell him to cut the doggone light off, go to bed. I'm telling him to get out there and cut the yard. And then all of a sudden, this woman starts in a scene saying, you can't tell my baby this and tell my baby that. What advice would you give these brothers? Because I know what I tell them is, man, man up and handle your business. But what would you tell a brother that is trying to do the right thing, trying to step in and help raise some other dude's kid And there's a resistance factor going on because the woman has been burned or the last few men that came in, they didn't stay, whether she ran them off or they left on their own, whatever the baggage is. I got it. But what do you tell a guy?
2: To move on and get with a woman who will allow you to be a parent. Look, you you can't – see, this is the thing about us that that drives me insane. We choose someone who demonstrates to us openly and honestly that they're not going to be – comply with what we need them to comply with. And then instead of getting out of the relationship, we stand in it, complain, make ourselves angrier, make them angrier. You know how many women out there would love for a man to come into their life and be willing to take the responsibility of being a father? Now here this guy has been demonstrated to him before he moved in, before he married her, that this woman is not going to allow him to parent. We've got to stop trying to change people and get with the people who are interested in change. And that's part of the problem with why we – waste so much time and energy on people who are broken who don't want to be fixed. you got little boys, for example, and mentoring who want mentors, who mothers who are looking for mentors, and we can't find them any. But yet we spend all this time and energy in the prisons, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, but it's like we're not helping the people who want help, who are asking for help. And you're going to have a better chance of repairing or, or raising boys than repairing men, and that's what we're doing. My focus, Doc is to work with younger people so that we don't have these problems when we're getting older. Because let's face it, for a lot of these adults, their mindset, their mentality, their programming is thorough. You are not going to change them. So that's why I think most of the emphasis needs to put on the young people so that we don't have another generation, then another generation of boys who don't know how to be men and women who make bad choices and vice versa.
1: In my opinion, I find that a lot of the problems with young men have been definitely the lack of a male role model present or the lack of a father in the house. And also, I think that there's an issue, and and ladies, please, don't write Michael and don't write me. This is only something I want you to think about, and this is really going to probably, just to put it mildly, piss somebody off, I'm sure. But the truth is, you cannot go and be friends with your children. And I'm not saying if your children are grown, yeah, that's cool. But when you, you can't go and sit and talk to a 7-year-old and an 8-year-old and a 12-year-old about their father, and I mean their biological father or their stepfather, the person that's the father figure in their life, and then turn around and inspect this kid to actually re- and obey the same person that you just got through dogging out. So with the statement being said, you can't change people. That I fully agree with. You can't stay with people that don't want change. That I want to, I, I can't help but agree with you more. My question is for the people that want to change and that are trying to change. What advice do you give them, and where do they begin? Where do they go, Michael?
2: Education. You know, books change my life. You know, there's so many documentaries. Look, the internet is wide open. Whatever YouTube video you are, for the mothers out there who are having struggles with their son, Dr. Jawanza Kanjufu is the authority. On raising young black boys uh, one of the books that I have my boys reading is conspiracy to destroy black boys for the parents and the teachers out there Dr. Kanjufu travels around the country you can go online Dr. Juanza Kanjufu uh, how to raise young black boys if you don't know how to educate yourself on how to this is the thing about us that drives me crazy you remember old school doc we had the encyclopedia Britannica they used to come <laughs> around and sell the encyclopedias and we used to have to go through those things but they were fun right Now you can Google anything, any topic you want to know about. There's a book about it. There's a documentary about it. There's a film about it. There's information about it. If you want the answers, hey, let me use a biblical expression, seek and you shall find. Sitting in front of the television watching reality TV and hanging out with your girlfriends on the phone and talking online all day is not going to resolve the issue. Educate yourself, and you'll find solutions because they're out there.
1: When we look at some of these solutions, I know that you have so many programs for worthwhile people not only to participate in but to put their kids in. Tell me um, the one that is most near and dear to the, your heart, and I know you have a lot that are near and dear to your heart, but give us some things that we could do. Like you were saying with Big Brothers and Sisters and things like that, tell people how can they go and get involved and what, are, what is the criteria for them getting involved?
2: You just have to be a person that cares. Now, obviously, they do background checks to make sure you don't have a record because they're liable uh, if they put you with a child and that child is then hurt. So if you don't have a a record that's going to be something that's harmful to the child, you can get involved in any one of these programs. You can start your own program, which is what I did. You can't wait for people. Big brothers big sisters and 100 black men and national cares and fraternities and sororities and all these other organizations are great. But if you can't get in them, there's nothing stopping you from getting out there doing your own thing. I was talking to kids in school before I was Michael Bayes and the, the, the radio personality author. I was doing it in my college. You know, when you care about people, man, you're going to find a way to reach out to them. But here's the a, here's a part that's really shocking. I want everybody to hear me on this before this show is over. There are more white men mentoring our black boys than black men. That's a shame. How in the hell do we expect our children to advance when the education system is not set up uh, for them to win, when society in terms of the justice system is not set up for them to win, and for God bless the white men and white women who are stepping up to mentor our kids because God knows what we would do without them. So what does it say about our black men when we can't mentor our own children more than another race of men are willing to step up and do? And every interview that I'm on, from here to the time I'm on television until I die, I'm going to mention that fact. While I give credit to all the mentors out there who I work with around the country, who are outstanding brothers, there are too many guys on the sideline where these kids are dying and being misled, being miseducated, and being locked up, and that's a damn shame.
1: When you find that um, the, such things taking place in our community, I, I know um, being in 100, I'm also am I'm in. I'm in a lot of organizations, and the issue is we find people that want to do all of this stuff, but they typically want to do it for the wrong reasons. And then people that probably could contribute are scared not to because of things like you just mentioned. You said they may have a record. Tell me, so guys and sisters out there that are listening, Michael, what is an acceptable, uh, if there is a such thing as an acceptable part of your past that's behind you. I know if you, if you are a sexual predator, please don't even. Yeah, it. that's not gonna happen. Yeah, right. yeah you're, you're behind needs Jesus. But uh, for the rest of us, tell uh, can they have a uh, what type of background uh, or arrest record can they have and still participate in these things?
2: To be honest with you, I, I don't know. That's something that Big Brothers Big Sisters they do the background check. They could tell you all you got to do is go to bigbrothersbigsisters.org on, uh, online and find out and contact them and find the one in your area and ask that question. We just don't have enough men. Women are stepping up, as they, as they always do, right? But the men, we don't have the men who have the desire, enough men. I'm not going to say we don't have the men because I love the brothers who are doing it, volunteering all around the country. Just not enough. I wanted to touch on, on one other thing, Doc, if you don't mind, with the book, Raise Your Hand If You Have Issues. Go ahead. And everybody can relate to this. We've got to stop lying to each other in relationships, man. My very first book was Never Satisfied, How and Why Men Cheat. And to this day, at 50 years old, I still see men and women lying to each other about being monogamous, lying to each other about being married, lying to each other about wanting one thing when they want something else. And as you get older and you and I are getting up in age, and, and it's one thing I didn't learn to value when I was younger, it's my time. And what pisses men off, when women cheat on them and what pisses women off uh, when men cheat on them and vice versa, rather, is a time I wasted dealing with you when all you had to do was tell me the truth. I don't want to be married. I don't want to have kids. I don't want to be monogamous. And it's shocking to me in this day and time in 2013 with all the diseases, all of the violence, because you can get hurt messing around with the wrong woman and the wrong man, playing with, with somebody's emotions, that we can't go to a woman as a grown man, for example, and say, look, I'm attracted to you. I'd like to get to know you, but I'm seeing somebody else. I'm dating somebody else just so you know. I'm trying to understand. And if anybody anybody can answer this question, help me out. What is so complicated about that? Why can't we
1: say I'm involved with somebody else?
2: Uh, You know, Mike, I I
1: want to speak to that, dude. One thing that I have found, uh, I was doing a a forum with some uh, men, and a lot of this issue is that men have a fear of, commitment and a fear of change because it's like if I commit to you I'm going to have to sleep with you the rest of my life and I think what happens is uh, and women do this too rather than become a complete and whole individual yourself you fragment yourself out through these different people so one person you have great sex with another person you have uh, great conversation with another person validates your ego because of their appearance but not never do these people tend to go and and construct or bring themselves into being self- actualized or being whole with them in themselves so what they do is they continue to get validation by enabling people that are broken and keeping them broken. Now, with with that said, I I want to ask you With that said,
2: if you know that about yourself, then you shouldn't be making promises. And that's, that's the point I never thought of, Doc, when I used to talk about this. If you know that about yourself, if you know you don't want to be committed, if you're afraid of commitment, if you don't want to be monogamous, if you want all these different variations, then tell a woman, hey, baby, I just want to have sex with you. Hey, you're just fun to go out with. Hey, you're an ego stroker. I have no problem with a man wanting, or a woman wanting to have several people in, and have compartmentalized their relationships. Damn it, tell people. You know, I don't want to be blindsided. And so for a lot of the men out there who are really, we, we're doing this to ourselves. I'm going to tell you something that shocked me, what a brother said to me, Doc. He said, I didn't even know I could be honest. See, that's something that we don't really think about as men, that when we grow up, men don't even tell us, brother, I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm 50 years old, and to this day, I have never met a man that's told me, be honest with a woman. Be honest and tell if you see another woman. Be honest. We don't promote honesty. We promote this player mentality that we get to the point where honesty is not even an option, dude. It's not even an option to tell a woman the truth. It's not even something we think is even on the table. And so when you don't deal with the option of being honest, you don't have to deal with all those other issues that make it possible for you to be honest, being secure, being mature, and we have too many immature-ass people out here, and nobody is speaking to that.
1: Yeah, and the worst part of that thing is uh, I had the Associated Press call me about the show The Bachelor a couple of years ago, and, and it was Jake and Vienna, and the first thing that they asked me was, what do you think went wrong, Doc? Why do you think it didn't work? And my first comment is, number one, when people come to the table more concerned about their brand than the quality of their relationship, that's really a problem. And how in the hell can you be authentic when there's lights, camera, action, and you just had someone do your wardrobe and makeup? So with that said, there is someone uh, that I want to take. Uh, My producer just sent a note that we have Kelly from New York City on the line. Hi, Kelly. You're on Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. How are you this evening?
3: I'm doing well. Thanks for asking and thanks for having me on the show. And I want to say thank you to Michael Basin for the last comment we just heard him sharing about honesty. I can't begin to tell you how relieved I am that he's continuing to promote that in relationships because it is important. And as a woman, I feel that for a man to be honest with me up front is the best thing that they can do. You know, give me the harsh, hard truth. Let me decide for Mm -hmm. myself what I want to do. And to be honest, you know, no pun intended, if I know this man is going to be brutally and truthfully honest, there's no reason for me to not trust where the relationship will or won't go. So I really appreciate that he is promoting that because that's something that's not said or done often enough when people meet each other and start off relationships.
1: Thank you so much for that comment. Mike, I think sometimes what we fear is all of us will date that fool, you know, the fool that will go and create a fake Facebook page or the person that will... Uh, start, you know, trying to spam or slander you. What do you suggest that uh, people do when they end up with, a, um, when they end up with a, an idiot that is, um, I guess, attempting to gain residency in someone's life, psyche, or even contaminate their brand? What's your advice on that?
2: We, we all know that the way people respond to any experience in their life is based on their self-esteem. Right? Amen. When you feel good about yourself, and this is one thing you master when you get older. Shout out to all my grown folks out there who know where I'm going with this. When you master the art of being by yourself, all that stuff is revealed to you. Because in essence, what you're doing when you accept this nonsense is you're saying, I don't want to be alone. You know, you never confront the real issues about a person. You never check in to see if the relationship is healthy when you're afraid of being alone because you're so afraid of that person being eliminated. So this really is a self-esteem issue and the Ability to love being by yourself and then love your own company. You've heard this said a thousand times, but it is so real. For me, it's always easy for me to make choices that are good for me because when I see any aspect of the relationship, whether it's at the beginning, in the middle, or toward the end, if it's not good for me, it's not good for me. And when the option is being by myself and I'm all good with that, it's very easy to make that decision. But when you're emotionally dependent, when you're financially dependent, when you're sexually dependent, when you're afraid of being by yourself, Confronting that person as a liar, or confronting that person's representative, as Chris Rock likes to put it, is never an option for you because being alone is not an option for you. So nobody should be in a relationship until they master being by themselves. And I know that may sound a little uh, a little grandiose or a little obscure to say that, but it's true. I enjoy being by myself. I, I race home to close my door and and, and look forward to my. My, my documentaries and my Discovery Channel and blogging on Facebook and writing my books—I look forward to that. So when I bring somebody into my life, if they don't enhance all this goodness that I got going on, and my aromatherapy and my my dim lights, have I like my crib, you know, my space, my ambiance? Then it's easy for me to exclude them, because you're only here as an enhancement. You're not here to make me happy. And until people understand that, they're going to continue to allow people in who shouldn't be in, and allow people to stay who should be kicked out.
1: You know, it's so funny, man. I have people ask me, they they will say, you're a relationship expert, why are you single? And the first thing that I had to say to that is, number one, I'm not willing or nor am I ready to be accountable because if you make the decision, and please listen to this, America and Canada and the UK and the VI, when you say, I am ready to be committed to you, with that commitment comes accountability. With that commitment comes you making someone a priority. With that commitment comes uh, you being willing to discuss issues, whether you're in the mood to dis- discuss them or not. So, And going after anybody, first you need to go after yourself, because if you can't stand to be alone with you, why in the hell would anyone else want to be alone with you? Um, uh, go ahead. Uh, w- right, one one ahead. thing I want to camp on is what you were saying is, Having the wisdom and the maturity to enjoy doing you and going to the movies with yourself and working out and enjoying reading a good book, what do you say, and I'm going to say this to the brothers that are listening to the shows, I, I know several men that are attempting right now at present, to make a decision about that fork in the road where they say, okay, do I turn left or do I turn right? What I mean by turn left or turn right is do I go all in or should I decide not to be in at all? What is your advice to brothers that are really searching out whether they're ready to commit? Do you think there's some signs or some uh, baseline evidence that suggests, yeah, man, you're ready or maybe you need to just do you and leave well enough alone?
2: First of all, uh, regarding the comment about being a relationship expert, I have never, ever called myself an expert. When they put that up on the television, Chiron, that was their decision, not mine. I'm a student and I'm a teacher. That's what we all are. We're all students. We're learning. We teach what we learn to those who don't know as much as we do, get challenged by everybody in the process to continue to grow ourselves. So I never want anybody to put a relationship expert label on me because there's no such thing as an expert. You're only an expert at what you know. Regarding the fork in the road for the men, You know, I always tell people, and you've probably heard this a million times, you have to trust your instinct First and foremost, man, that's the thing that that was given to all of us on a universal level, man, to, to check that alarm that goes off inside of us before we go down a certain road. And it's always an easy decision to make whether or not to be with somebody or not because the question is very simple. Am I happier with this person or not? Does this person enhance me? Does this person move me forward? You know, and that's why you have to see yourself and you have to see life as an evolution. Does this person evolve me? Am I a better – do they make me a better person? And that's really a deep question to ask. Does that person make me a better person, not just being happy and satisfied sexually and making me uh, more financially well-off, but do they make me a better person? If you ask yourself that question and trust your instinct, you'll make the right decision nine times out of
1: ten. Okay, Mike, I, I've got a caller calling in from Ohio. Joyce, you're on with conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Joyce?
0: Uh, good, good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. Um, I'm an African-American female, and I don't have any boys, but I started a boys mentoring group here. So mm-hmm. I've been doing this years freely, and I agree with Mr. Bazin. When I try to recruit African-American males to work with these young mm-hmm. men, they're always, they're always busy. But then there's white guys that the and say, I'll come in and help. But my thing is this, Mr. Bazin, Mm -hmm. what do I do? I'm trying to do this on my own. I've been doing it for years, but I need some support with this. I don't want a salary. I just want these boys to be able to see and do things that they wouldn't normally be able to do in the hood, like take them to see President Obama. You know, some of might not play basketball or football. And what I wanted to do was, um, Mr. Bazin, just try to get in touch with you so we can just sit out and talk. Maybe you can come to Ohio. We can do a fundraiser for you to get here. Whatever I got to do, to get these boys to the next level because yeah. I, I, I'm I got, frustrated I right pain, now. I'm so
2: frustrated right pain. now. Let me tell you something. You and millions of other women in organizations around the country are pulling their freaking hair out because when you got to beg, that's what I started out telling you, Doc, when you got to beg black men to mentor black kids, yeah. something ain't right. Something ain't right, so, man. I, yeah. So hold on, hold on. I'm with you, sister. Let me preach for you. So, so in order to, to, to be helpful, that's why I started this program when I got off of radio. I couldn't wait to mentor. When I tell you that when they told me they locked me out of that studio, you didn't see me crying about it. I was like, good. It's over. I'm not playing games with these people. Now I can get my hand on these kids. I was fired up. No, I was not happy the way it ended. But, man, it's over. You know, people say everything happens for a reason. Sometimes it happens because people do stupid stuff. So they did what I thought was stupid. Good. Now my opportunity to go and help these kids. So I built the program. Uh, I'm building the program here in uh, Orlando, and then once I have it built, then I can take it around the country, but I've got to take small steps if I want to have a big impact. I've got to get these kids graduated. I'm paying for their college education. You know, I'm trying to raise money to get these kids through school, so let me take care of home first, and then once the program is in place, it'll be something that you all can model after in terms of fundraising, in terms of resources, well, in terms have. of Let me curriculum.
0: say something to you. We already have a name. We've, I've been doing this for years. So basically I don't really want you to come up with a name or, or to copycat what you're doing or reinvent no, the you. wheel because, you know, ours is called Boys Men. But I'm trying to set up something so you can come to Ohio so you can talk to our boys. I was just in Orlando in July. And, um, for the NAACP convention, but my thing is this: I'm I, I don't I don't want no handout because you've helped so many people. You know, God is so you got blessings stored up for your next next third or fourth generations. But if we can try <laughs> to you. sit down and 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 come up with something for you next year in 2014, well, we can pay you to come to Ohio so you can talk to our boys, even if it's just for a few hours. So. I don't know how let to me contact. just say it to you so we can.
2: Let me just say it's easy to contact me. The whole world know how to contact me. All you have to do is come on, based and live on Facebook. We have a new page set up for the mentoring program, so you all can see all the programs, all the things we're doing with the boys, all the books we're recommending for the boys. It's called One Dream One Team. It's on Facebook. One Dream One Team. That's the way to stay in touch. It's very simple. I talk to my people every day and have been ever since this show went off the air. Every. So it's called
0: One Dream One Team.
2: That's it. You'll see my big head right there on the page. You'll see me standing up there with my 28 young men and the teacher, Mr. Wheeler, and uh, just stay just stay in touch with us. That's all you got to do. All right, okay, Joyce, well, I'm thank like,
0: you I'm so much. Gonna, i want to email you, Mr. Bazin. Um, talk to me at michaelbazin.com. My name is Joyce Summons, so when you get that email, I know you have a lot to answer, sir, but save one of your publicists or somebody can email me back, please.
1: Okay. Thank you very much. All right, much. Mr. Joyce. Thank I you so much for you. your call, Jim. Thank you. Oh, all right. Hey, Michael, uh, one thing that I know we're we're about uh, getting short on this, there's two things I want to do. One, I want to do a part B of this because until you come back on the air, brother, you are welcome to be on my air.
2: Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. You know,
1: and that's, uh, that's uh, you can call us, or we'll call you, but as long as the call gets made, that's an automatic invite. And if you call up then just let um my producer, know you you got something you need to talk about. It's a done deal. Now, one thing I do want to put out uh, before the time winds down, we just gave out how they can get you on Facebook. Uh, let's go one more time back through this thing. The new book is called...
2: Raise Your Hand If You Have Issues. It's going to be released on ebook and online on Barnes & Nobles and Amazon and iTunes. You can get it either of either place starting on Tuesday. In fact, now that you all are listening, it's actually up and operational now, we're just not going to make the announcement until, uh, until Tuesday. So you can actually download it tonight, and we'll put the link up shortly and get the book online on Amazon. Just put in, raise your hand if you have issues, and um, we're going to start hitting the road. I'm going to be on Steve's show, Steve Harvey's show on Thursday, hit his TV show at some point. Steve and I go way back. I really appreciate Steve. And, um, and we're just going to stay busy, man. We're going to keep hitting the road, talking about mentoring and relationships, and just being better, man. We've got to get to the next level. We're stuck right now. we got to get out of this.
1: Okay, the next question. Where are you touring? And you just said Steve Harvey. So where can people find you and come in contact, shake your hand, get an autograph? What's next on your travel itinerary? It's yeah,
2: that's why it's important to go to Bays and Live because every day I post where I'm going next. That means the Internet has given us such an opportunity to stay together. It's ridiculous, you know, that we're not using this tool to our benefit the way that we should. So I'm, I'm fortunate we're almost at a million people. We've got 2,000 people joining the page a day. So I'm very, very, very thankful for that. But it should be much more. We've got to have a place to be together for somebody to sound the alarm. And I hope that I've proven myself to be a trusted man in the terms of, you know, speaking with integrity and backing up what I say and being about the people. And, and most importantly, being about evolving. I'm not the same man I was last year, two years ago, or five years ago. And neither should you all be. You've got to grow up. You've got to graduate
1: you got to evolve. Hey, man, that's really beautiful. Well, Mike, I, I appreciate you taking an hour out your Sunday evening to come on. Uh, you know, it's been some years, man. It's uh, one thing about quality. It never gets old. It seems just like yesterday. So keep doing what you do. We will be talking to you as, uh, again very soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael Bazin. Thanks for spending an hour with us tonight, Michael.
2: Thank you, man. I'm proud of you. Thanks for having me on.
1: All right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before we get out of here, there's just some housekeeping that I want to do. Make sure that you tune into the show this Wednesday at 12 noon for some lunchtime love. We got a special guest and uh, you do not want to miss it. Keep checking it out. Go to D Yvonne Young. It's spelled like Ivan D, I-B-A-N-Y-U-N-G, on Facebook, and that's also the dot com thing, so you can get us on the website. Now, as always, the one thing that I want you to walk away with this show knowing and owning is be you, do you. Who you are in a moment never defines you. So whatever your worst mistake is, be your worst, worst mistake was uh, picking the wrong partner or having something stupid come out your mouth or something you've done, let it go. Forgive yourself, because until you let it go, how can anybody else? The next thing that I want to tell you is as long as you have breath in your lungs and the morning comes, you've got a chance to fix whatever you broke yesterday. And last and certainly not least, you already know I'm going to leave you with this thing. If you don't love you, and like Michael said, if you don't want to be alone with you, how in the heck first can I love you? And if you don't want to be alone with you, why in the hell would I want to be alone with you either? With that said, I will talk to you guys on Wednesday at noon. Have a fantastic Sunday night and a great week. I love you. Bye now.